I just want to share with you, we have some, we have some very talented young people in our church, and I got a, 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 couple, of, uh, a couple of little announcements that I thought I'd share with you. There's, uh, there was an awards banquet last night for the, I guess, last night or the night before for Ridgeview Band and uh, Mallory Mullen, who's in our church. Mallory, why don't you just go ahead and like, just, why don't you stand up and turn a cartwheel? Or maybe not. Uh, Mallory was, was named... Let's see, she was the highest, uh, the, the highest honor that you can get in the high school band was the John Souza Award, is that right? All right, very good. And then Andrew Marino was named Sophomore of the Year. And uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Oh yeah, our baseball team from Blythewood High School, I pointed them out last week. They played in front of the largest high school game ever played in South Carolina history this past, past weekend. It was like being at church. I mean, there's like 60, I think 6,500 uh, of them there. And so man, we're just, we're proud of those guys. And one of my, the, my favorite thing was to look out and see Keith Price, who's the principal there, with blonde hair. And so, Keith, I'm disappointed that your hair's not blonde anymore, but, but it looks good. And so that uh, Just for Men is working out for you today. So that, that's really good. Anyway, so it was a, it's a fun weekend. God's got to just bless a lot of young people in our church with some great talents. So we're excited for them. Uh, but now we're just going to take a look in the Scripture, see what Scripture might have to say to us today. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16, in just a few moments. And uh, while you might want to be looking there, turning there, I'll tell you a story. There was a, a missionary that was on the field, and he was given a car. But the only problem with the car was that the only way it would work is if it, was, it, had, it had to be push-started. And so while he was there, he had to work out a deal with some of the kids in the elementary school near his house. They would, teacher would let him out, and they'd run, and they'd shove his car, push it, and it would get started, and then he'd be able to drive it all day. Uh, but because the students were, weren't always there in order to push his car off, he would, he would park it on a hill, or he would just never turn it off. And this is the way he operated for a couple of years. The kids would start up his car every day, they'd shove it off. But after a couple of years, a new missionary came into town, was going to take his car, and he gave him, he, the, the missionary was giving him a lowdown on how you get this car to work. So you got to push started, I got to deal with the kids at the elementary school. Started going through that whole thing. And as he's talking, uh, the guy, the new missionary, said, do you care if I look under the hood? He's like, no, that's fine, go ahead. And so he continues to talk, and new missionary's looking down in there. He's like, I see a loose cable here. And he, he just sort of wiggles it around and, and attaches it, gets in the cars. The missionary's telling him about push-starting it, and he turns the key, and it just fires right up. And the, the missionary's sitting there just absolutely stunned, thinking, for the last two years, I've been push-starting this car, and this guy comes along and fixes it within five minutes. Now, the entire time, that car had the power to run, but it wasn't able to run well because of a loose cable. It just had to be reconnected. And I think there's a spiritual application for us. Uh, there are a lot of us who are trying to do whatever we can, trying to figure out how we can kind of engineer on our own some sort of power, some sort of relationship with God, but you know, it just never quite works out. And the reason why it doesn't work out, and the reason why many of us don't feel that, that strong connection with God is because there's a loose cable, and we haven't figured out how to reattach it. Now, for the last, I guess, about six weeks, we've been going through a series of messages entitled Breaking Bad. And what we've seen throughout these lessons are different people who had a faulty connection with God. Now, at one time... Their connection was good, but it just sort of wiggled loose after time, and, and they lost power in their relationship with God. I mean, I think of King David, who we talked about a few weeks ago. 
He was a guy who was called a man after God's own heart. And yet there's sort of the, something kind of happened and the, the cable got loose and he, he committed adultery and he committed murder. And he ended up in a place where he never wanted to be. Uh, we look at, uh, in the Bible, we look at uh, the Hebrew people. And they were getting ready to go into the promised land. You remember God promised that he was going to bless them and give them a land of the very own. And they get right to the edge of the promised land. And then the, the, it's like the connection sort of breaks loose and they begin to doubt God. And they begin to doubt the power of God. And they ended up in a place they didn't want to be. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Now one of my favorite stories, the story of Samson. God blessed him with this incredible strength. A bold man. And yet, the cable kind of got loose and his focus moved from God and he became very self-centered. And as you read that story about Samson, you see that everything around his life came crashing down. And he ended up in a place where he didn't want to be. And I think for many of us, there are times when we end up in places that we never wanted to be. It's like life kind of goes on and, and we sort of... Instead of for breaking for good, it seems like there are times whenever we break bad. And so we're going to see another story of a guy who broke bad. And the story is about the rich young ruler. You might be familiar with the story. But when he came to Jesus, he asked the greatest question that I think all of us want to know the answer to. He came to Jesus and he said, what good do I have to do to be able to have eternal life? Now, that's a great question, but what we're going to see in this story is that there were some things that this, or some mistakes that this young man made in his life that caused him to break bad, even though he asked a good question. And it's my hope that we're going to learn from him. And we don't want to just talk about how people just screwed up and say, yep, I'm one of them. We want to figure out how we can avoid the mistakes that they made so that we can end up in a place we want to be. And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 19, verse number 16, and just a little background information as to what's going on at this time is Jesus is popular at this time. I mean, you'll see in the preceding verses, there were people who were surrounding Jesus. They wanted to hear this guy teach, and they wanted to hear what he had to say because he was different than all the other religious leaders of the day, for, I mean, for obvious reasons, but one of them was that when he spoke, he said stuff that that people said, hey, he's different. I mean, he is one who speaks with authority. And so we want to hear him speak to us. And so that's why this rich young ruler, he came to Jesus with a great question. What good do I have to do to have eternal life? He knew that Jesus would have something wise to say. And so he asked them this question. And I love the question. But there's a problem with the question. He was, he was looking at it in such a way as, you know, Jesus, give me the answer, and I want an answer that will not inconvenience my life. I want an answer that's going to fit in with the way that I live so I don't have to change anything. And because he approached Jesus in this manner, things didn't work out like he wanted them to. And so what I want us to do is just, we're just going to take a look at some mistakes that the rich young ruler made in his life so that we can avoid them. Now, what were some of the mistakes that he made with, with Jesus? Well, his first mistake was he didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. He, in other words, he, he didn't properly identify who Jesus really was. And I want you to look in verse 16. It says, Just then someone came up and asked him, 
Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? This story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there's some different aspects of the story that you learn in each one of those books. But here's the basic things that when you put them all together, you smash them together, so what we learn. The guy who asked Jesus the question, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. Now you can say, well, he was a ruler of what? Uh, he was a ruler, more than likely, of the local synagogue. He was a, a religious guy. Uh, more than likely, he was a Pharisee. I'm sure you've heard of a Pharisee before. These were the, the, the very conservative religious guys of the day. Uh, we come up with this because his question is, how do I have eternal life? Only the Pharisees believed in eternal life. The more liberal group, which were the Sadducees, this is probably more than you want to know, but I don't care. Uh, the Sadducees, they did not believe in eternal life. And so this is who this guy is, and he comes to Jesus asking him a question. Now I look at this, and I think, this guy's on the right track. I mean, he has a question, a very significant question, and who does he go to? He goes, he goes to Jesus. Now I know that we're in church, but is there anybody better to go to with a question like this other than Jesus? I mean, no, it's a great, he does the right thing. Uh, not only does he go to Jesus with this question, he also comes to Jesus with the right question. It's a great question. And here's the problem. He misidentified who Jesus really was. Uh, if you look in verse 16, this is where I all get to participate. What did he call Jesus in verse 16? He called him teacher. Now there's nothing wrong with teacher. I mean, it's a term of respect. I'm married to a teacher. So I like teachers. Teachers are good things. But he, he called him teacher, but not recognizing that Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He's Lord. That's a big difference. I mean, from, from just simply being a teacher to being Lord. You, you know what the word Lord means? It, it means master. Now, he hung on to the title teacher, but he wasn't willing to call Jesus Lord. Because if he called him Lord, that meant that Jesus was to be master. And if Jesus is master, it means you follow him. Now, my guess is that, that many of us had preferred to be our own boss. My, my guess is that many of us were, were fine with saying Jesus is teacher, but we don't want him to be master, because if he's master, then that means that I've got to do what he calls for me to do. And so it's a lot easier to say, oh, yeah, I like Jesus. He's a good guy. I like what Jesus says. He says some really moral things. He lived a good life. But if you start getting into the territory where you say he is Lord, then it becomes a different ballgame. Because when he's Lord, it means he is the boss of your life. And what I believe that's going on here is that the rich young ruler is trying to figure out how he can show respect to Jesus but hang on to control in his life. And I thought, man, as much as things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, we still struggle with this idea of Jesus being teacher and Lord. Now, I don't know, I, mean, I think all of us, I mean, we're, we're here today, I think all of us today are going to say, you know what, when it, comes down to, I want Je when it comes down to it, I want Jesus to be Savior. You know, I, I want the whole, I want the perk of heaven. I mean, I'm jumping on that bandwagon. Does that sound good to y'all? You know, I'm thinking, Jesus has heaven, I'm all for it. But where we struggle 
is that the rest of what Scripture teaches is if we are going to have that kind of relationship with God where we go to heaven, it requires for us to have Jesus be Lord. And that's true all throughout the Bible. When Jesus called out to his disciples, what did he say to them? He said, come follow me. Jesus did not say, hey guys, can I come join y'all? Jesus said, you follow me. None of us on our own has the ability to make ourselves right before God. I mean, Romans 3, 10 through 12 is very clear about this. And it, it tells us, it says, there, there is no one righteous. It says, there's no one good. There is no one who on his own will seek after God. The only one who's good is God. And so our job is to follow the only one who is good. Now think about it logically. If you decide that you're going to follow yourself, what does it benefit you? Well, I mean, you, you get stuff here. You, know, you get to enjoy, enjoy being in charge here. But how long does that last in the big picture? Well, only as long as you live. And by the way, that's not forever. Yeah, it's, it's very limited. It's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he said, if anyone wants to come with me, if you want to go to heaven with Jesus, he says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. What will it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? You know what happened with the rich, the rich young ruler? He misidentified who Jesus was. He saw him as teacher. He didn't see him as Lord. And because of that, he missed out on seeing the power, the real power of God. Heard a story about a man walking through the woods. Walking through the woods, he found, a, a, I guess it's a, an eaglet, a baby eagle. And he couldn't find his mother anywhere, so he picked him up. He lived on a farm took the eagle, little baby eaglet, back to his farm, and he put it in the chicken coop. He wanted it to be pinned up so he could kind of take care of it. And after a period of time, you know, the eagle kind of got bigger, and it was just, it's kind of, it's kind of an absurd sight. You know, he looked in this chicken coop, and there's a bald eagle walking around with a bunch of chickens. And the bald eagle is like actually acting like a chicken. He's scratching in the dirt, he's, you know, pecking at the corn. And one of his friends, one of the farmer's friends came over, and he saw an eagle in a chicken coop, and he's like, what is that? He said, hey, he goes, I found this, this eagle, this eaglet, and he's just sort of grown up here, and he goes, now he thinks he's a chicken. And the guy says, well, I'm, let him go. He said, I mean, surely he's got, you know, surely he knows he's an eagle. And so they, they took him out of the cage, they tried to get him to fly off, and so they took him out, and the, the eagle never would flap his wings or anything. He just turned around and walked back into the pen. And he just kind of, he just kind of bobbing his head around, this eagle, and he, he starts scratching on the dirt, and he's just picking at corn. Now, guys, that is, that's an absurd story, right? And yet, it, it, because what happens is he missed out on soaring and saying, you know, eagles are supposed to be like the king of the sky, and he settled for being a chicken. As believers, as we have the power of God at our disposal, and yet many of us choose to pick around and scratch at the corn confined within the fence of this life when God has created us to know his, his plan for our life, to know the purpose that he has for us. And yet we choose to be Lord of our lives. Because whenever we choose ourselves, we are confined within the fences 
of this life when God has a different plan for us. Now, what was the mistake of the rich young ruler? He didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. He recognized himself as Lord. But here's the second mistake that was made. He didn't recognize his own faults. He didn't recognize Jesus was Lord. Then he didn't recognize his own faults. Now, look in verse 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? It's Jesus. He said to him, there's only one who's good. And if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. I like this guy. This guy, he's kind of arrogant. He says, which ones? And Jesus answered, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, here we go again. The guy says this to Jesus. I've kept all of them. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can't even say that. He said, I've kept all these. And and he says, what do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your belongings and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. The young man, he asked Jesus, how do I have eternal life? Again, great question. How do I have eternal life? Now, what's intriguing about this is it's not like it's some secret. You know, Jesus doesn't tell him all these different hoops to jump through. You know what Jesus does? He says, if you want eternal life, obey me. That that is the big secret, y'all. That is a part of Jesus being Lord, that we are obedient to the leadership of Jesus. Jesus said, you follow my commands. Now, here's the question. What are the commands of Jesus? When I go back into the Old Testament, whenever I hear commands or commandments... Which ones do y'all think of? Not specifically, but together. Right? Charlton Heston. We think of the Ten Commandments, the the tablets. Okay, Ten Commandments. Okay, Jesus says, I want you to keep my commandments. And he refers to the commandments here. That's how we know this. Okay, now, I look at the list of commandments here. Um, Let me ask y'all a question. How many does he mention? Yeah, six. What happened to the other four? Is this like a revised version? I mean, he says, which ones am I supposed to keep? Jesus only mentioned six. The four he leaves out are the first four. The first four deal with man's relationship with God. What I believe is going on here is Jesus mentions then the next six. Jesus says, if you keep the first four, you know these commandments and you follow them, you will see how these commandments, keeping these first four commandments, plays out in your life. See, the next six deal with our relationships with one another. And so it's not, I believe what Jesus is saying, it's not about just simply knowing what the commandments are. It is about living out the commandments. And the natural byproduct, if Jesus is your Lord, you're going to be obedient to him. It's just what happens. When you you trust Jesus and you follow him, you're going to be obedient to what he says. I mean, Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, this sounds good. Then, then the young man, he has this incredible response. He says, what do I still lack? Because I've kept all these commandments. And Jesus doesn't refute him here, saying, you liar. I mean, apparently his performance is stellar. You know, I mean, apparently this guy's a pretty good guy. I mean, he's, he's doing what God tells him to do. He's got his little checklist, I'm sure, like some of you people do. You know, went to church today, check. Um, you know, I read my Bible today, check. I prayed today, check. I opened the door for that old lady, check. All these different things. We keep all these rules. But you know, God, God's not just interested in, in your outward appearances. You know what God's concerned about? Your heart. 
He wants to know, what are, your, what are the motivations of your heart in following him? In Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it says, The word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as to divide soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. God's word will judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart, your motivations, in other words. No creature is hidden from God, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The young man here, he says, Lord, I've kept all your commandments. I've done them all. So what does Jesus do? He gets to the heart of the matter. He doesn't talk about his performance. He goes, okay, verse 21. He says, take all your possessions and get rid of them. And then come follow me. He wasn't interested in the guy's outward performance. He was interested in where his heart was. Where was his heart? Let me tell you something. This man, you know where his heart was? Is with stuff. Is with the things of this world. Where does God want our heart? He wants it to be with him. And so if there's anything that takes precedence in our heart over God, God says you need to let it go. You need to, to get rid of it. For some people, that can be your possessions. For others of us, it can be the way that we spend our time or how we live our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to know where your heart is? Then take a look and examine the things that you find so important in your life that you're not willing to let go of them. And if you're not willing to let go of some of these things and they don't have anything to do with the things of God, it's going to hinder your relationship with the Lord. Anything that is a hindrance between us and God, God says you need to remove it from your life. You need to let it go. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Anything that is a hindrance to you, you need to remove it. I mean, we know this. I mean, we do this all the time. You know, I, 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 go, to the, I, I go to the Y all the time, Obviously. Um, I go to the Y all the time, and whenever I'm there, I see, you know, I see people working. I've never seen anybody in there working out, you know, getting on the treadmill, wearing like a fur coat and a dress and high heels. I mean, maybe once. But I mean, I've never, that's just not normal. Now, why is that not normal? If somebody was wearing something like that, you know, other than we think that they were crazy, uh, it's, they're going to trip and fall, right? I mean, running in high heels, it is very difficult. It just doesn't work very well. So if you're going to run effectively, what do you have to do? Well, you have to, you have to change. You have to get rid of those things, otherwise you're going to trip and fall. It's true in your walk with God. If there's anything that, that entangles you, that slows you down in your relationship with Jesus, you are called to let those things go. That's why Jesus told this man, he said, your possessions obviously is where your heart is. You need to let them go. Now, what were the mistakes this young man made? Well, he didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. He didn't recognize his own faults. And that's the last thing I want you to see, and then we'll, we'll stop here. The final mistake he made is that he just simply, he went away. He walked away. Verse 22. When the young man heard that command, he went away grieving. Why? Because he had many possessions. The same story is told in Mark chapter 10. And in Mark 10, whenever the rich young ruler finds out where Jesus is, it says that he ran to Jesus. 
Uh, he ranted because he wanted to ask him this question. He's excited. He runs to Jesus. How did he leave Jesus? If you look at verse 22, he walked away grieving. Yeah, interesting. He comes to Jesus excited. He leaves grieving. What happened? What happened is that he was a guy who made the common pitfall, common mistake, and he thought the world revolved around him. He thought everything was to be for him. And I'm learning this with, with myself and with most people, not necessarily you, but most people, is that we get really frustrated when we find out the world doesn't revolve around us. And I, you know, I just think, the great, I think everyday life examples, just point, there's so many spiritual truths in it, and one where, I'm, where I am always convicted is driving. Yeah, and you just look in driving, and you see what happens in driving. You know, you, you'll be driving down the road, and, and somebody will cut you off. And you're thinking, how dare that person do that to me? And so what do we typically do? Well, I'm going to figure out how I can cut that guy off. Or, you know, if, have you all ever driven by those people that drive anywhere between 20 and 90? You know, those are my favorite. Harry, you need to do a better job of, like, pulling those people over. So they're 20 to 90, and then you know, they get up right next to you, and you're like, there ain't no way that joker's getting around me. And so what do we do? We start speeding up. I'm going to pinch that joker in, and he's not going to get around me because I'm totally offended that anybody would hinder me. And I thought about this for a while, and I was like, yeah, why do we get nuts when we drive? Why, why do we do stuff like this? It, is, it really is. It, it's crazy. And here, the only thing I can figure out is this, because we think we're God. We are God in cars. And if anybody dares step in the way of God, then there is, there is retribution that is going to be paid. Now, I look at this guy. This guy basically thinks he's God. He's talking to God in flesh, and he says, tell me how I can have eternal life. It's all about him. How can I have eternal life? I want to know the answer. I want to, be, I want to receive the benefits that you give, but I still want to remain in charge. And so what does Jesus do? He, he hits him right in the heart, and he says, give away your possessions. Okay, the guy asked the most important question, how do, I have eternal, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus answers the question. Was the guy excited? Nope. It says, he walks away grieving. Word grieving means he's sad. Y'all, this is absolute crazy. Greatest question is given an answer, and he leaves dejected. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I look at that and I think, it'd be like somebody, you know, where I'm talking to a doctor, or some, I, you know, happen, like I'm in Brazil, and some guy comes out and says, I have found the cure for cancer. Not just to make it, to ease pain, to get rid of it. What is it? And he tells me the answer, and I walk away sad. D does that make sense? I mean, that is nuts. And I look at this guy, and I think, this guy's crazy. I mean, he's, you know, he's a few cards shy of a full deck. What's his problem here? You know, why does he walk away frustrated and, and sad? And then I start thinking, you know what? I can't tell you how many times I have traded in the things of God for me. And I've ignored the things of God because I was looking to make myself happy. I mean, how many times have we, have we traded in the truth for dishonesty so that we can get what we want? How many times have we been disobedient to the leadership of God 
so that we can fit in with the in crowd? How many times have we sacrificed our time with God so that we can go out and we can do things that will satisfy just me? Now, short term, that works. Short term, this man's decision when he walked away said it worked for him. Short term, you know why it worked for him short term? He got to keep his stuff. Long term, he missed out on eternity. And, I, you know, I don't want us to make decisions based on the short term. I want us to make decisions based on a long look. A long look. I want us to respond like Moses did to God. How did he respond to him? Well, in Hebrews 11, 24 and 26, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since his attention was on the reward. The rich man made three critical mistakes in his life. It caused him not to break good, but to break bad. To end up in a place he never wanted to be. He didn't recognize Jesus as Lord. He didn't recognize his own faults, and he went away. Now here's the question, where are you? If you want to find out if, if you're on track for breaking bad or breaking good, you know a real simple thing to do is look and see what it is in your life that you treasure. What is it that you hang on to more than anything else? And you say, I will not let this go. That is what you treasure. Then examine what is it that you treasure. Is it from God? Or is it something, is it anything, I mean, if you're not willing to give it up for God, guys, let me tell you something, you've been called to let it go. Now, some of you today, I, I, I really believe this, I believe there are probably some here today who need to make a different investment choice in your life. You know, what am I going to invest in? And I want to encourage you, invest in eternity. Invest in Jesus. I am more and more aware, life doesn't last forever as it's short where are you putting your investment because when the rubber hits the road there's going to be a day when we're going to stand before God and the question is how or what good do I have to do to have eternity it's not what good you have to do it's who you choose you can choose Jesus you can choose you Short term, choose you, work out okay. Long term, it's a bad choice. It's a bad choice and it will leave you wanting and empty. But you choose Jesus, it will change your life.